This is a production of NASCAR Dosage, made by the fans, for the fans. NASCAR Dosage, for the fans, by the fans, for you, the fans. Welcome to another episode. So on this episode well, hello, my of NASCAR friend. Dosage, <laughs> we're off to a great start here. We got CJ driving home from work, me sitting here trying hey, to upload a tune for a race that we're having tonight as of recording, which is Thursday. Um, didn't get if the I could cut you off for one second, because yeah, no I noticed that a lot of people ask me when we talk about racing, they're like, wait, you're racing again? Are you racing your Mustang already? No, no. We're talking about racing on Xbox. You can find us on there for anyone listening that would want to join in. Um, pretty much all the leagues are easily accessible, but that's one question I've been getting asked a lot. Is like, what is the racing you guys are talking about? We have no idea. It's online. Yeah, <laughs> you it's can online. find us. Check out Instagram or Xbox. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I had to in, in, inject that into everything because it's something I get asked fairly often. Yeah, and um, that's one thing that um, I think a lot of people like question is like, why do we care so much about online racing and all that? It's like, because, and we, we went over this on the last one that we recorded. Uh, it's the closest that we mm-hmm. can get to actual racing right now or ever. So um, it's a big right. part of a lot of communities online in gaming. Um, the racing community has grown an extreme amount. I'm actually going to go to the home screen on the Xbox. That way, you know, no copyright from Forza happens while we're recording this. So uh <laughs> Don't need that happening. And we got a call in from Kenny right now. All right, cool. That's not really good. All right. That is not what I thought you were going to respond with. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Thank you, Michael. Hello, CJ. <laughs> Welcome to the shit Hello, show. Hello, sweetheart. Is, Welcome. Yeah. To hey, can you, can you guys hear it? Can you I can guys hear, hear you, it Mike. through my car? Can you hear it through my car echoing or no? No, you're good. Okay, per- perfect. No. Yeah, CJ's got the same thing going on. All right, I got to make sure I commute y'all when I get to Taco Bell. Yeah. So anyways, after this great introduction of Mike joining us, this is going to be the episode post-Michigan for the Cup Series and Xfinity and all that fun jazz that happened. Uh, We have CJ with us this week per usual more times than not. And we have my buddy Mike joining us, who is a big NASCAR fan like me. And we hang out all the time and all that. And uh, we both went to the race this past Sunday with each other. So we're going to introduce Mike a little bit. Mike, tell us your NASCAR fandom and your history of being a fan of the sport. Well, I started watching NASCAR back in 2003. My first race was when Sadler flipped at Dega, so that was quite interesting um, to watch. I've been going since 2004, and I've seen quite a few crazy things, but nothing was as crazy as watching Austin Dillon almost flip right in front of us this past week. That was quite wild. That was a Um, wild hit, dude. That was hard to watch. Oh, yeah. When I turned, all I seen was him going head on like Newman at the wall. And it was like, oh, boy, this is not going to be good. And then I seen the bottom of his car and it's like, that's really not good. Here's the million dollar question. I'll feed the fire with both of you. Whose fault was it? Racing. Racing incident. Racing. They were racing hard. I'm not going to say it was anybody's fault. Keselowski did take him down, but Dylan did come up a little bit. So, 
yeah, it was. See, I, I feel better. very strongly on this one. I, I I think that was entirely Austin Dillon's fault. You know, he's still he there. Did, it doesn't matter. You're running to the line. He moved up. He he, he did come up. He did come up. Nose. Like I said, it's not, I'm I, not blaming. I believe Brad did put him in a kind of a bad place, but then Dylan did come up on him after the line, so it kind of yeah. screwed both of them. It both of them had their mistake in the situation. It's didn't I think it was just a racing incident at that point. So we also have a Kenneth. We have a wild Kenny joining us. Oh, we have a full panel here today, boys. Look at this. Look at this right now. We have a full panel. We got CJ and Mike. We got two Michigan people and Mike and I, and we got two mass holes and CJ and Kenny. This is great. <laughs> Hi, Kenny. Oh, God. I'm going to crash this thing. <laughs> this is going to have to just stay there. I'm sorry. It's a shitty angle. I, like, if I had known this was going to go down this way, I would have put effort into, like, so you can see, like, inside the Mustang and, like, Feeling like you're going fast, but I'm doing like 22 now, and now I'm doing zero. <laughs> right. uh, missed opportunity, but when that YouTube gig happens, we'll be there. Yeah, I, I yeah, got this. It happens one day. I caught the tail end of your um, Brad Kozlowski, Austin Dillon conversation, and yeah, I feel with it. I feel like it was a bit of blame on both because if you're watching Kozlowski's in-car camera, it looks like he did come down a bit after the line. And but Dylan also came up at the same time. Yeah, it, it was kind of just was. They both ran out of room. Yeah, yeah. They, they both ran out of room. They're racing for the stage points because they they really do matter for Dylan at this point. As now he's really going to have to win Saturday night. I don't think he has to win, and I think we can honestly jump right into that discussion right now about a uh, sixteenth playoff spot. Is um, yeah. I personally don't think Austin Dylan has to win with his track record at Daytona. No, um, what's the point differential? Uh, the point differential is 25 going into the race. Say Austin Dillon runs top two, top three in both stages. All of a sudden, that's a six-point gap. Well, now it's a seven-point, six, seven-point. Yeah. I thought it was more like 45 points where he was going to have to win the race to have no. a chance. And that's because Tyler Reddick spun out and wasn't able to pass anyone at the end of the Michigan race. If that didn't happen, oh, if he I didn't, think, if I think he didn't I'm ref- send it, then he would have been in a much better spot, but now he actually has to slightly. Yeah, I think I'm team. referencing right after the accident when they stated that he was up 46 or 47 points as they were running or something. So it might have been that. That might have been what popped in your head. Yeah, but uh, yeah. what do what do the two massholes think of uh, 80s chances? Does he need to win, or can he uh, use the stages I mean, and all that? You almost have to win at Daytona, though. It's just such a wild card that literally anyone can win like we have this little like group chat um competition and um i think Corey would join just because you never know yeah no that's a that's a valid statement to make i mean anyone realistically anyone in the field can win the race because you never know who's going to crash out in any of that i can't tell if cj's frozen i mean look at the 500 for example i think cj might be frozen Oh. Yeah, do, do, do. I can hear static. I think he's, he's probably hitting the dead zone. Yeah, he's probably hitting the dead, dead zone. He's probably bumping the international waters. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
There we go. Now, <laughs> now he's back. There we go. We finally have him back. I just went under a massive overpass, so that's probably why I could hear everything you said. Oh, All right. Okay. Well, we couldn't. We couldn't hear anything you said. So, uh, what do you? What do you think? Does well, I didn't say win? anything because honestly, yes. And the reason is because his teammates are outshining him right now, and the big fight is with him and Tyler Reddick. And if you ask me who's more consistent track for track, it, it's Tyler Reddick. You know, they could build really fast cars at RCR. And I could absolutely see Austin Dillon winning at Daytona, and it's a big triumph in the whole thing. But, you know, I don't think that Austin Dillon has the – this is going to sound really harsh, but I don't know how else to say it – mental capacity to fight for a championship. You know, like I said, I feel very strongly about that because that was Austin Dillon's fault. You just, just stay on the yellow. Just stay down in the yellow. There's no reason to come back up the racetrack as soon as you cross the line. I mean, nobody's even lifting until you get to turn two anyway. So why yeah, it's not like there's a wall at the bottom. The, the group. Yeah. Yeah, like just stay at, exactly. Just stay at the bottom. There's no need to come up. I felt really, really strongly about that, and honestly, I was a little bit disappointed to see because, you know, I, I know that I sometimes have a little bit stronger opinions on some things, but this is one of them. That was Austin Dillon's fault. With that being said, I think he has to win. I don't think he's going to win. However, I could see it being possible because he. Again, RCR builds strong cars at Daytona. You never know. Like I agree with what Kenny said. You have to win. You know, you can't go to Daytona to fuck around. And the problem with that is you're now out there with 40 other people nose to tail who are going to be doing the same thing. You know, so it, it's trying not a safe environment to try and keep the race car together. <laughs> yeah. And um, well, talking about the incident at Michigan, and I know Mike is going to be cut up or short on time. So I want to get his views and his thoughts of um, not only the race that we went to, which was the cup race. I apologize for all the downshifts, by the way. But uh, everything else that happened at the track, Arca, Xfinity, and then, of course, us going to the race on Sunday. Mike. All right, well, what do you want me to start with? What, what series? On? Um, we can start with Sunday and work backwards if you want. All right, um, well, I'm Sunday. Gonna let you, Sunday. I'm going to let you give your view on everything. And then I'll talk right, about I'll, mine later because I know you're you're a little short on time. Okay. Um, I felt Sunday's Michigan race was one of the best Michigan races, if not the best one I've watched in at least 10 years. Um, I liked how the leaders didn't really have a pull away and you had to use the draft to your benefit. Um, I personally think Austin Dillon could have won that race. He did have good raw speed and was Absolutely. able to hang with the night. He, he was he contended with the nine in the five when he was up front. He was the only car that was able to stay hooked into their draft consistently enough. I know it kind of got weird at the end with the pitch strategy and all that when Kyle Busch won the stage. But overall, I thought it was a great race, especially the last nine laps. Blaney did a phenomenal job at holding off the 24 and the five. And that's a ballsy call to take the inside. But I mean, when Larson goes to the third lane when he could have been in the first lane, I think that's kind of a mistake on the fives team fives part i don't i don't think uh denny pushing byron as much as he did helped either it almost looked like yeah i think the 24 would have been equal if not ahead of the 12 if denny didn't take him out of the groove because the 24 was still right on the 12 he was still right there even though he did get sent up to almost the top groove of the track yeah 100 percent. i mean i just i think um 
a lot of things didn't factor into a lot of the drivers' heads when going into that final restart, but they all had the mindset that this was going to be the final restart. Yeah, and honestly, I think Blaney did have the best partner with Kyle Busch to push because all of his experience and his wins and all, everything just came together, and he had the right person behind him to help him win. Um, If he had anybody else behind him, like not Kyle Larson or Kyle Busch, I don't know if he would have got the push he needed. No, he probably would I still, I, I think the 24 would have been really close to – being on the top lane and sticking whoever is at the bottom at that point. Yeah. No, that 100% um, on that. Now, um, winner, I was kind of surprised. Blaney didn't have a car all day, and I kind of listened afterwards to what he was saying. And they slowly worked on it all day, and it's just right place, right time, and everything fell together for him. Good for the – great yeah. for him, I should say. That was an awesome finish. Those um, are the ones you feel like you deserve the most. You know, and it just seems like it's a whole effort of all day long. You're just trying different things. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I don't think that there's any way that Blaney doesn't win that race, even with Austin Dillon there, because at the end, that car was strong. You know, just through simply pace that kept him out front for the win. Yeah, he definitely had a good pace at the end. Um, what I did like to see was the 24 and the 5. Could I would have liked to see them worked a little bit harder together and more tandem drafted. I think they could have definitely got up to the quarter panel and passed them. If they had another lap, I think they get to him, though. I uh, also I'm not also, be biased at all and say that I'm pretty happy with the result of the race. <laughs> I know you're happy. I'm going to say one thing. Also if, Byron, also, if Byron doesn't get to the – goes to the bottom of three and then comes up the track. I think if he sticks three all the way around, I think it's a really, really, really close finish, closer than what it was. I think he generates enough speed off the top line if he doesn't go from the bottom to the top in three and four. Well, trying to was, generate that more was speed. To a white flag. No, no, that was on the, the no, lap. that was that was that was on the final lap. He would have had enough was on speed. The, Blaney was on the bottom. He took the bottom line through three and four to try to prevent that from happening and. No, I'm, no, I'm saying top. Byron, if he would have stayed, if he wouldn't have went to the bottom, then the top, if he would have stuck the top, I think he would have been there. We're really close. Because you've seen how close they already were. He had a run down the front stretch. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll um, Let's go to the Xfinity race. The Xfinity race was also pretty good, in my opinion. Besides, we've seen a big wreck on after uh, the stage one break when the mediocre <laughs> middle. CJ, we couldn't hear you. CJ froze again. Yeah, he froze. Um, no, I was saying that if the mediocre guys don't get in the front and cause that havoc, I think it had been even more of an interesting race. But glad to see Dinger win, though. I mean, the the race would have been um, Junior Motorsports, uh, AJ Allmendinger and Austin Sindrick. So they're, yeah. they're just minus one guy, which was sad to see from uh, my non- non-biased perspective at all guys yeah um, <laughs> I, I was actually kind of upset to not see Cindric there because I wanted to see what he actually could do um I had I, I picked Gregson to win the race beforehand so I he finishing in the top five was a pretty good spot I didn't think Dinger would have won that race to be honest though I, I don't but then again he, the I mean yes on. he deserved it but I don't think he 100% did I think Josh Berry did because he just had an absolute rocket missile of a car yeah, right. I don't know what they turned that one into. That one was on some drugs or something. It was, was it, wired up. Was it the car or was it the driver? Because um, I don't. We know what happened. I don't know. I and that is behind you yes. compared to Barry. I mean, I think it's the driver. Just look at Josh Barry's performance when he filled in at New Hampshire. 
but I want to get back consistently top 10. Yeah, he Josh Berry's been really good and consistent. I'm kind of curious to see how he's going to do next year when he's full time and actually is going to be consistently in one car, not being bounced around the series in three or four different cars in a week to week kind of thing. Round eight um, or bust. Round eight or bust. <laughs> yeah, literally. Exactly. It, um, it's going to be interesting. Exactly. Um, but I but here's the thing: the college cars do rely a lot on the draft. I've noticed that the college cars are better when they have the draft around a road course. So, I mean, not too surprising that one of them won. So I thought Haley would have been better though, especially in a drafting package. So with high speeds at like Michigan. So I know it's not exactly Daytona or Talladega, but you get the point. Yeah. All right. Arca series. No surprise with your winner. Yeah, all. but I'm no not going to lie. I was a little disappointed that he won. <laughs> I, I think we're all a little disappointed, and Same. it's kind of getting old. So, well, it doesn't Probably help that he was the like complete jackass the first two restarts of the race. So, here's yeah, here's my was... problem with with Ty Gibbs when he races against people hard, he shits himself, and then he complains everybody else. He's slowly turning into like all the drivers that we already hate. You know, never being like, oh, well, like IndyCar, if anybody watched Gateway, was a great example, right? Alex Rossi, we were kind of gambling as we're watching it. Like, he's not going to apologize. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I was out on cold tires and still went up in the marbles. He would find some other reason to say, like, oh, well, it wasn't a big deal or this happened or that happened. And before long, it's unbearable to listen to someone that was once your favorite is now just, like, complaining about everything. That's how Ty Gibbs is. His immaturity shows in those moments. It, it makes it hard for me to want to root for him. I, I loved his first win. You know, like that almost got me choked up because I know what that feels like and having that, like, you know, that moment, and that, you know, obviously as high as Xfinity series, but like you know, that joy, that, that love of what you're doing and that love for racing truly down to your core. I think as he gets older, it'll get better. But right now he needs to get wrecked a few times to really understand well, I mean, we saw a good example of that already in um, at Mid-Ohio when A.J. Allmendinger made right. the cleanest three-wide move possible and Ty Gibbs was just like, oh, well, I don't like that racing. Bro, you've literally wrecked people this season in ARCA. Right. You're in the best car week in and week out in that series, and you're going to complain about people racing you hard in Xfinity. You know why you don't like that kind of racing? Because you can't hang with guys like A.J. Allmendinger. You're talking guys that have been racing since before you were a twinkle or like – yeah, that extra shot in somebody's eye. Dude, you know Deere's been like, racing since AJ before Almondinger. Ty Gibbs was born. Like, right. Like, you don't like that kind of racing because you can't sling it around like somebody like him. Like, he can't. And I'm sorry, but thing with Ty me is. Go on, CJ. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it, there's such a delay with everybody. So I never know if I'm talking over everyone. But I, I think the biggest thing with me is like, you got to show you're teachable. You know, you got to at least attempt to show that you're teachable. And when. He had a decent run at Indianapolis. At least he said, you know, I learned something running with those guys, you know, and it was, it, it, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's showing this, like, this ineptitude to understand that if he were anyone else, his path would not be as solidified as it is. You know, he's going to end up at Joe Gibbs one day, probably sooner than later. And he knows that, you know, like he knows that his, his future is going to be there no matter what he does or what he says. Yeah, and yeah, I think, I think he. Oh, go ahead. Mike. I, oh, sorry. 
I think he's just really young and immature. He's just out of high school. There's a lot for Ty Gibbs to still learn. Sure, he's got a lot of talent, but he's still very young and immature, and sometimes it does really show. Yeah, and that's why I say, you know, I hate to say it this way, but he needs to get wrecked intentionally a few times. You know, he needs to get shoved around a little bit, get those bruises. I mean, guys like Jeff Gordon say it all the time, racing with guys like Earnhardt, who, like, his first ever race is out there, like, putting the left front on the right rear and letting him know, like, hey, I'm here, fuck you. Like <laughs> he, he needs that kind of racing, to, like you said, to learn these things, to grow. And until that happens, for me at least, it's going to be kind of hard to watch and pretty cringy at times. But there's no doubt that he has a lot of God-given talent. Yeah, I agree. I think time will help him too. I, I, he just needs to get against some guys who will actually race him hard and not just oh whatever kind of life goes on kind of deal. No, but yeah. And it's like you had said, Chris, was it the car or was it the driver, like with uh, Josh Berry? The simple answer to that is yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I think <laughs> you know, it's because equally both for him. It, the, and the, the double-edged sword of all this is Ty Gibbs is actually a great example of that. You can put anybody in Kyle Busch's old, you know, Xfinity cars that has – that thing, that one car now has close to 10 wins this season. You can put anybody in that car. It doesn't mean they're going to get results. You know, it's equally parts the, the team and the driver, but a, a good driver will bring home good equipment with a decent result. A great driver will bring home great equipment where it belongs, and that's what he's doing. So no doubt he's talented, and I do think Josh Berry was a major role in the, the running of the one car and how they had it, but I don't know. I think there's just really nobody even close to competing with JRM or Joe Gibbs and Xfinity, like not even in the same ballpark. Penske would like to have a word with you. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure colleague would as well. But I really do mean that because they have flashes of brilliance, but there's no consistency. Those two are teams that are consistently up front. And that's what wins championships. I mean, I think you guys would agree. Consistency is key to winning a title in any of the top three divisions. Yeah. yeah. Kenny, what do you think of all this? Well, I miss the um, arc race, but, like, I agree. He has a lot of immaturity. Just think, he's younger than all of you. Not younger than me, but he's younger than you guys. He's closer to my little brother's age. (laughs) Put it that way. (laughs) He's, what, 19, 18? 18. He's only two years older than me, and he's he's driving a sandy car. But... On uh, that note at the moment, we are going to have to say goodbye to Mike because he has to go now. He's got stuff that he's got to do. So, Alrighty. Goodbye, y'all. Bye, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate right. it. We'll yes, talk sir. around. X is only. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Alrighty. Peace. Right. <laughs> See, what everybody that's listening right now doesn't know is Mike is about to go recreate the Big Lebowski and go bowling. Yes, he is. I should call him and just say, Nico, it's your cousin Roman. Let's go bowling. I'm going to get his picks right now. Um, that way I can have his in there for it. Um, Sorry to you, by the way, if you guys can hear the Mustang in the background of everything. I've tried to mute it in between me talking and it's not working. Oh, you're fine. I mean, you got to have some muscle car noises in the background. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a NASCAR hear podcast this. after all. Come on. Listen. I cut out partially, but I did hear you started. Yeah, sounds nice. Sure, there's a lot of wind noise than anything else. But I was alongside a Jersey barrier. Kenny, you'll appreciate my ride every day. I have to take, well, you're driving now, right? Yeah, you're driving. Probably not in Boston, though. I'm 128 right outside no. of Boston every single day on the way home. It takes me like an hour to get home. Yeah, that can be terrible. I'm uh, trying to coach one of my buddies that are going to race with us tonight about how to download the tune. Who's that? Zach? Zach yeah, Zach. Being... Zach. Yeah, because Zach oh. just got the game last night, right? Yeah. So our buddy Zach, CJ, you don't know him, but he runs a NASCAR nonstop. <laughs> He's going to be racing with us tonight, along with Troy, who runs NASCAR Hotspot. And Kenny, who has his failed NASCAR info page. That <laughs> <laughs> makes a revival like once every like year, year and a half. Yeah, you have like one post about like a year and a half. Um, you can post for New Hampshire, but for whatever reason, whatever reason, never posted. It would just say failed post, failed to post. So yeah. So what's that? They don't want the revival. Your your audio is going like in and out. Oh, uh, I had my Wi-Fi turned off because I went outside for a minute. But Insta wants me to fail with my account. Oh yeah. I had my post from New Hampshire that I was gonna do, and they wouldn't let me post. Yeah, sounds about white. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. This is why this will never be a successful podcast, but it's fun for the hell of it. Um how many views you get in on this? Uh, like 15. And the thing 15. is, like, it has all the potential to be successful. Like, it does. It really does. <laughs> I still does. think it will. I mean, we have enough personality going on with this, and we stay on topic enough for the most part. Um, for the most part. And also, when when I'm hosting this, I'm not a robot like Troy was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had some flair to it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we did all that fun stuff. Guess I can give my perspective on the weekend. Um, so yeah, how I was, was I want to hear actually beginning to go to a race now. I know it's about damn time I was able to go to a freaking race. Um, so Sunday, obviously, Mike and I go to the race. He mentioned his point of view. I have to get to his house at seven forty-five in the morning in order for us to leave by like eight fifteen. So we do that fun stuff, get to the track around. Um, we got there around 11. So we had like four hours until the race started. And Which went and visited. Ideal. What's that? Which is ideal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
we went and visited all the like tents and all that that were selling stuff and all that. Um, actually, I show it. Here we go. This is what I wanted was the show and tell. Because if I know you, oh, Chris, boy. you do not leave empty-handed. I got Corey LaJoy's Darlington throwback from 2020. Let's or not Corey LaJoy. Ross Chastain. Wow. Look at me. Big brain. The dirty mo car. That's cool. Um, yeah, that was definitely like my favorite of it. Uh, I got Kyle Larson's Vaveline Crew t-shirt. Um, I got Corey LaJoy's 164 of his car this year. So that's where that's where my brain was working on that. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah. was getting there, just pulling up. Yeah, it was just a little mixed up. It's been a long couple of days, all right? There was a lot of sun involved on Sunday. <laughs> and alcohol, I'm sure. Oh, no, I was, I was smart on that. I only had one, one adult beverage that day. I needed more water that day if I wanted to survive. There's way too much sun and heat going on. It's Michigan in mid-August. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot as balls. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, dude. Do you the New England double? Oh, shit. That Monday, I felt like I got hit by a train. Oh, I bet. The reality was just like, that. yeah, we're going to hit you hard, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, then we got to our seats. We're just about at the end of, or turn one end of pit road. Um, I'd say like Josh Berry was the sub for Corey LaJoy. Didn't get to see Corey LaJoy race. That was very sad. I've been wanting to watch a race with him in person for a while. I mean, I got to see 2018, but obviously that car was nowhere as compared to, compared to what he has at Spire right now. Um, and then, yeah, my favorite driver is Ryan Blaney. I don't even need to say anything more than that. No, uh, it was really good to actually be able to be at a race and enjoy the entire thing and have that fan perspective the entire time. I wanted to do more of like a vlog type of style with what I was going to do and eventually upload that to YouTube. But I decided not to do that because I wanted to enjoy it when I was there. I didn't want to feel like I was working. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um that makes a lot of sense. Just absorb yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, real quick. I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to get going. I gotta run to the store real quick. So all right, Kenny. I'll see you boys. Bye, Kenny. I'll see you. All right, see ya. See ya. And then there were two. And then there were the OGs. <laughs> and then there were the OGs. So, anyways, race starts. Um, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm ecstatic to be at a race again, because it's been since 2018, I got to see actual racing. I went to the race in 2019 in June, but I wasn't able to go on Monday after it was rained out on Sunday. So it's been three years since actually just over three years since I was able to go to a race. Um, just hearing the cars roar and all that is such a feeling that unless you're at a race, you can't understand it. Like, it's one of those feelings that are just great to have. Um, Absolutely. It's oh, just yeah. like that smile that you can't explain that you have. Oh, dude, that was me at the end of the race. I'll get to that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching stage one, and I'm watching everyone just battle. And obviously, it's a struggle to pass the leaders, which was a problem. But it wasn't that big of a problem in the long term because everyone else was able to dodge and weave and do all that fun stuff and pass each other like there were battles literally throughout the entire field everyone from i'd say a battle for third to 33rd was a battle 
and it looked like it was a combination of the mile and a half and Daytona and Talladega all in one race, which criminally is underrated at Michigan because it's just, oh yeah, it was a great race. It was so interesting to watch how that all played out. Um, fuel strategy did play a little bit of a factor in the stages because that's how it always works. But for the most part, it wasn't bad racing at all. Um, I honestly had no complaints. Obviously, the Brad Keselowski, Austin Dillon wreck was insane that Mike had mentioned and we had already mentioned earlier. That must have been like right in front of you. Um, I turned to watch like the cars go into one. And then as soon as I look straight in front of me, I see the underside of the three. (laughs) I'm just like. I'm not supposed to see that part of the car. Oh, his car is destroyed. And then they finally show a replay, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> he, he almost went over. I mean, that was a, an absolute unit of a hit. That That's was about mad. as hard as you can have in a track like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can have harder hits than that. But uh, then the final stage starts to play out, and – just that little bit, just that little bit of rain was enough to throw a yellow, which I agree was a smart move. I don't know if you do or not, but I agree that it was actually a very smart move. Yeah, I do. Um, I think that it, it allowed them to at least keep the racetrack. You know, that's the biggest thing. At those speed, at Loudon, I'm glad they experimented. I'll put it that way. I'm glad that happened because only a handful of people wrecked. And they're the people that always complain about when they're like, oh, I have to drive hard. No, like (laughs) you want to be taken seriously. And I've said it before on this this podcast, like you need to be able to adapt. You need to show you have a level of adaptability to be really like respected by other branches of motorsport. And I truly do think that NASCAR is a legitimate project, a product, excuse me. So, yeah, I, I agree with showing, throwing that short yellow. Oh, it's been a long day for me too. <laughs> um, I agree with throwing that short yellow because it it didn't stop the racing. As soon as you stop driving, you stop putting heat down. You know, I never understood that. I never understood why NASCAR, especially, just as soon as they start, you know, running hard and then there's some water down, just pulls everybody off because all you do is taking all the temperature out of the track. Yeah, and. Um... It, rain, it rained enough in turn one that I think that it definitely warranted a yellow. Obviously, being there, I could tell a lot different than people just watching on TV thought. Like, I, I was getting pellet-sized raindrops oh, yeah. on me. So, I, I definitely agree that it was a warranted yellow that needed to be thrown for that. I mean, yeah, Michigan's a big enough track Absolutely. where you can be in turn four and not get a single drop on you, but turn one can be soaked. Like it, it's just a big enough track for that to happen. Right. So, and like I said, I mean, you know, racing slicks are very sticky and they're very hot, you know? So like, why would you bring the cars in? You're going to lose some tire temp. Ooh. Oh no. Oh geez. Like, <laughs> keep yeah. them out there. Drive the track off. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought all in all, it was a, a really good race. I'm glad that you got to be there for that. You know, it's kind of cool that we both got to be there for really memorable races for the Cup Series this season. You know, New Hampshire. No. As we talked about, they were basically <laughs> they were basically under the lights, and then Michigan, which is that was definitely the best finish I've ever seen at Michigan. 
you know, that's a track, that package really did what it needed to do. I think this was the race NASCAR has been waiting almost two full years for to happen. Yep. With with the package that we have, this was the race they've been wanting to have happen for two years. Yeah, and a track like Michigan makes it work. And I think the resin that they used proved itself to be a little bit more useful in the initial PJ1. I know the explanation that I gave before was a little bit off um, because I didn't realize they thought it would have usefulness on asphalt, but it makes sense. You know, it's it's just by running on it, not by heat. I'm so happy they used the resin instead of the PJ1 because if they would have used the PJ1, it wouldn't have been usable the entire weekend. Oh yeah, and it would have ruined the track. You know, like it ruins every track. Like I genuinely but- thought because of them using the resin, they were actually able to use multiple lanes that we typically don't see them doing with the PJ1. And that made it for a good, or it passed every eyeball test out there. I mean, obviously to the more diehard fans, they think that the race wasn't all that great because you couldn't pass for the lead under green. But at the same time, you saw racing throughout the entire field, so. Right. It really wasn't a boring part of the race. Not that I can think of. I mean, obviously a little more biased because I was there, but I can't think of, (laughs) I can't think of a time in the race where I was bored. Like even watching it on TV, you know, there wasn't any moments where it's like, oh, great. There's 40 cars, single file. And we're just going to stay like this for a half an hour. Like there really wasn't even any moments like that. That was the track that, you know, that package, they should learn something for the next gen as far as, you know, drag coefficients and bubbles and whatnot. And I, I really hope that the next gen puts on a good show at Michigan because people dog on it all the time. And yeah, you know what? It's been deserving the past few years, but at the same time, it's, it still has that element that people don't think of. Like I wish IndyCar would go back. IndyCar would go too fast. <laughs> I want to see IndyCar go back really badly. <laughs> IndyCar would be on a great race. IndyCar would be doing 240 at that track, dude. <laughs> They'd be putting down if like they left them wide open. <laughs> or you could keep them with the speedway wings on and see what happens. Yeah, when there's a will, there's a way. But Michigan was always an iconic kart race. You know, like that was a really iconic. That was one of their 500 milers, actually, if I'm not mistaken. One yeah. of the Triple Crowns, the three 500 mile oval races they used to have every season. And there were some really, really good races in that. I mean, especially with the aero screen and the added protection that all these guys have now, it's, I could see it. I don't I think it would happen, but I want it. So long as Belle Isle is a thing, we won't see IndyCar race at MIS. Yeah, probably. That and Texas. And I don't know why Texas is so them. But that's for another day because we don't need to bring up Texas into this episode. <laughs> this is <very> anyway. <laughs> no, but talking about having that um, grin that you have when you're at a race that you mentioned earlier. From like when the race ended, whatever time that it did, for about I'd say an hour and a half, I couldn't get that grin off of my face just because I got to see my favorite driver win in person like that was such a huge deal to me 
that I can't explain. Yeah, man, it, it's it's a really cool thing because like, you know, I, I remember I took someone to a race and it was their first race ever. And they were a huge Casey Kane fan and it was when Casey Kane won it loud. Um, so that was, you know, that I get that. And then growing up every time Jeff Gordon won, um, every time Jimmy Johnson won, I was there for, you know, Clint Boyer's first one. And I ended up becoming a pretty big Clint Boyer fan, you know, like it, I get what you mean. And, and I'm excited for you that you got to finally experience that because that's why you go to the races. You know, that's why you become a fan is to root for the driver that you relate to or that you like, you know, for whatever reason it might be. You look at new fans are usually like, Oh, what color is the car? I like, I like going to Napa. So I like that one, you know, like something along those lines. <laughs> But as you start to follow the sport enough and you see just how easy it is for anybody to win, you kind of, you know, those moments where you get to see the driver that you really truly are a fan of win in person, that's a really special moment, man. I'm, I'm glad that Blaney won. I was thinking about that as I was watching it on TV. Dude, my dad texts me right after. He's just like, F-N-A. I'm just like, hell yeah, dude. I was, I was, it's funny because we, we went with, um, Mike and his dad and girlfriend and a few of our friends. Um, and his dad's just look at me. He's like, you all right? I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> I couldn't say anything. Like, it was just, dude, it's, it's so much different when like, A, you're at your home track or on the NASCAR circuit, B, your favorite driver wins. And it's your first time seeing them win in person. You're just like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really special thing. It's a it's a really really special thing. Oh yeah, I mean, and I went, I went what, fifteen seasons, sixteen? No. Oh, when I finally had a favorite driver, so oh four until this year, so seventeen seventeen years, eighteen seasons, without seeing my favorite win in person. So yeah, I was a little. I was a little happy to have that happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. big thing. But uh, I think we can now move on from Michigan and me fanboying for a little bit there and talk about <laughs> the uh, absolute shit show we're going to have this weekend. Uh, I mean, like, it's the <laughs> kind of race that, like, you, you, you normally you watch and drink as you watch i think this is one of those you have to drink too much yeah exactly behind That's what it's the be. season in daytona you know it's like why do you have to have a wild card like that at the end oh well no this is played this is played into nascar's thought process perfectly you have one spot oh, one race and it's an absolute wild card of a race so this is yeah, I agree with that. And I can play devil's advocate to myself in understanding that somebody won enough times this season and somebody dominated enough this season. That's probably not going to change. They're going through the playoffs. You know, like they're still going to be the top driver. It doesn't matter that you know, the last race was however it was. So it does make sense. You know, that one last ditch effort that, you know, boys have at it kind of mentality that NASCAR once had. You know, it really plays in well at a place like this where it's like, okay, well, whatever you're going to do, you got to do it. I think, I think either, <laughs> um, either 
35 cars are taking the white flag or 10 cars are taking the white flag. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be fun to watch no matter what. But, you know, I, I get nervous watching those races because it's also a very fast, very violent track to crash at. You know, and it's I see it from that standpoint, too, of obviously you're out there as a driver, you know, the risks, you know, what you got to do. But if there was ever a place that you were really going to be like in a bad way, it's going to be Daytona or Talladega. They're kind of like, all right, make the most intense race, two of them at one of the wildest tracks. Go. Yeah, why not? <laughs> hey. Oh, and then let's throw the other one in the playoffs because why not? You know, no biggie. That, yeah, and that one I can't get down with. That, that's one that I just can't agree with. Regular season, sure, all for it. But, you know, I, I don't think that they have a place in the postseason. I just don't like I don't think it matters enough it's not really racing you know no it's pure luck that's what it is right yeah. right exactly like it's luck of the draw it's all about like possibility versus probabilities and it you know it just to me it's a team sport it's always about the teams as much as it is the drivers like I said earlier it's all about the car that they put under you as much as it is the guy that's behind the wheel because at the end of the day you're just the guy that drives it it took a whole lot of people way smarter than the driver, believe me, to get all of that to the racetrack in, in there in time. Why would you take all that control away from them? You know, why would you take all of that away from the teams is their last chance? Sure, you have to work hard to build a good super speedway car, but not in the same way that you do for you know a Martinsville or a road course or, you know, even Phoenix. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot more set up and a lot more intense involvement into making the car what you need. Yeah. and. Daytona is one of those to where you kind of just, if you're a driver, you strap in and your crew chief's just going to say, go. Like, <laughs> what's. Don't lift. <laughs> yeah. Don't I lift. Mean, you're either going to get wrecked or be someone wrecking someone else. And I... if you, if you come away and your car is perfectly scratch free, then uh, you're not winning the race. <laughs> You'll finish in the top 10, but you're not going to win the race. So, I don't know. It's yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think my favorite is probably Alex Bowman. Your favorite is Bowman? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, tr we'll transition to that right being... now. We'll do that right now. We'll do our, we'll do our picks. <laughs> I, know, I know that my time is running out um, yeah. because my ride is – thankfully today almost over but nonetheless i know that each week we got to do it and i think yeah favorite alex bowman um because i think that he is clearly getting hungry and that car is always quick at daytona you know he, he's definitely got that restrictor plate field down i think the one to watch is definitely austin dillon i mean because he, he has to be he has to be the one that you look to see if RCR is going to pull out the stops. We know they're fast on super speedways. There's not a whole lot more there. I think the dark horse for me, though, could, I, I know I said it this past weekend, but again, Eric Amarola, because the SHR cars at Daytona are, they're fast. I, I'm torn between Amarola and Blaney, mm -hmm. to be honest, because I think Brian Blaney is, you'd be a fool to count him out at a restricted play track, but criminally I, underrated yeah but 
that's why I'm vocally recognizing that. <laughs> yeah. But I think Eric Almirola is going to be, again, the one to watch because I think he probably also is one that understands, yeah, you got in with one win, but you're probably not going to go much beyond the round of 16 no. unless you have another win to pad yourself in it. So I could see him going for it. Um, the one to stay away from for me probably be Stenhouse because I just don't think I'm past all of the trauma of <laughs> watching him just absolutely annihilate everybody around him Ricky for like Spinhouse. three years in a row. Oh God. Whoa. Get him out. <laughs> you gave your picks. I'll give mine. Uh, my favorite one to watch is um, I want to go with him, but I don't. Cause like, I'm just not a fan of him, of his on track or, you know, post-race antics that he seems to have sometimes. But I got to go with Denny Hamlin. Three-time Daytona 500 winner. Extremely good at Daytona itself. He's, he's all right at Dega, but he's extremely good at Daytona. Um, he's also fighting to try and get that championship regular season title, which he's got some work to do about the same as Austin Dillon if he wants to do it by points. But uh, that's my favorite. My one to watch is going to be Larson because he got a top 10 in the 500. Sure, it ended up being a shit show at the end of the race, but, you know, it's going to be this weekend. Um, never really looked good at the super speedways until the 500. Dega, we didn't know what he could do due to uh, his crew, you know, screwing that one up. Uh, my underdog is going to be Matty D. He is the man fighting for a ride Interesting. in the top two series. I'm not just saying cup. In the top two series, he is the man fighting for a ride. Um, I think his chances in cup are kind of gone, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And Sadly. If he wins, then maybe he'll find himself getting a decent of enough ride in Xfinity or enough of a ride in cup to, you know, look halfway decent. And then I'm going to stay away from chase elliott Dude interesting does, now why do you say that he does not do good at daytona <laughs> it's just you're right you know, even with the win at talladega he never really looks crazy strong he never looks strong at the super speedways especially at daytona because daytona, daytona ah, it's just utter garbage for him i feel like so that's my picks we've got your picks I'm going to do my post, you know, editing stuff and I'll have this out to everyone either tonight or tomorrow afternoon. So my friend, nice. CJ, a bit of fair. I do. Au revoir, sir. I will see you at our convention. Next week. Thank you as always for having me and thank you everybody for dealing with me having a report and bad service and then the Mustang, but. I guess you can say this is the first of taking everyone on a ride. Foreshadowing, <laughs> foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I will see you, my friend. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. NASCAR dosage with number history we're going to get into the number eight car. Another number that was made popular in the modern era of NASCAR, especially in the 21st century. The eight. Many of us know the eight for one driver in particular, Dale Earnhardt Jr. 
Junior's rise to fame, driving for his dad in the iconic number eight red Budweiser Chevrolet, whether it be winning at Talladega or Daytona or many other tracks. That alone makes people remember this number. But what many don't remember is there is one man with a better stat line than Junior going by wins to starts, and that is Joe Weatherly. The two combined for 37 out of 38 wins that the eight car has. But with all that, let's look at the stat line in full of what the eight car has. With a small 1,392 starts total, and has an already mentioned having 38 wins, the eight also has 184 top fives, 370 top tens, and an average finish of 18.48. With the young and very promising Tyler Reddick behind the wheel of the eight car, we can only hope to one day see someone else win in one of NASCAR's most popular numbers. Dosage, I asked some of you guys on my Instagram story to give your three word thoughts for Daytona. Now, DMS Cup Series chimed in saying, straight effing chaos. While Mad L Money chimed in saying, flip and turn four. Mbuck313 added, pure unadulterated chaos. Now, that goes along with DMS Cup Series, and I surely believe both of those. Garrett Fry 669, nice, added, Blaney wins again. That's some of the thoughts that I got from you guys, and I'll be sure to add more on the next episode. And thank you for adding your thoughts or your predictions for this upcoming race tonight at Daytona. this episode of NASCAR Dosage. Once again, thank you to CJ as always, my buddies Mike and Kenny for hopping on with us this week, and let's get ready for an exciting night at Daytona. Now I'm wrapping up this episode recording-wise Saturday morning, and with the Xfinity race getting delayed, that's about two hours away, probably about an hour away when I upload this. So be sure to give this a listen for a preview for the cup race, Enjoy the Xfinity race, enjoy the cup race, and we'll get back at it next week for another episode of NASCAR Dosage. Production of NASCAR Dosage on Anchor FM.